Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how God gave Abraham a great new vision and dream that could never happen without God giving him a son, just as God could never provide us salvation without the Son. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find the Friendship with God podcast available at iTunes.com. Search for Friendship with God. You can download all the messages there for free. Now, part of how we provide these messages for free is with your listener support, financial support that helps us to get these messages out to you, the listener, as well as to lost Jewish people who are searching for the truth of the Old Testament scriptures. Now, recently, Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program sent out gospel postcard mailers. How to have a Seder with a Passover. We sent this out to hundreds of thousands of lost Jewish people directly to their homes. So part of your support to this radio teaching program doesn't just keep it on the air, but it also helps to support evangelism, especially towards the Jewish people first. So we send out postcard mailers, provide these messages for free. So your support to this Friendship with God radio broadcast does so much, and we do need your support. Now, to support us, you can go online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, donate online, or you can always call us at 1-800-247-3051. We can take your donation directly over the phone, 800-247-3051. You can call us now or after the program, 800-247-3051. 3051, or again, friendshipwithgod.org. You can donate online. You can also mail in your support to Friendship with God at P.O. Box 711-330. That's 711-330. And that's Santee, S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. 92071. So that's Friendship with God, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California, 92071. Now, we've had a tremendous Bible study this week from the book of Genesis, and Tom Cantor has been teaching us about how Abraham would be the father of many nations. Now, Tom Cantor has been teaching us that there was a reason for Abraham and Sarah not having a child, and it wasn't an oversight on God's part. There was a great purpose behind it. And Tom taught us that if Abraham was going to get this to work, he'd have to stop looking at his state of infertility and just look at God. Now, if Abraham didn't look at God, he'd be limiting the Holy One of Israel, as Israel did in Psalm 78, 41. We looked at that, and Tom Cantor taught us that Abraham was tempted to cry out to God and complain about his elderly body, and God wanted him to look away from himself and Sarah and look at God. Now, Abraham's answer to God was in Genesis seventeen three, where Abraham fell on his face, And Tom Cantor brought out the point that Abraham had probably had his heart broken many, many times over not having children, and his heart was breaking again and again. And of course, he's told by God that he's going to be the father of many nations. And Tom Cantor brought out the point in our teaching this week that Abram, or Avram, meant high father. So Abraham was always being called father. And of course, he was childless, so this had an effect on him. But God changes his name to Abraham, or Avraham, which means father of many nations. And Tom Cantor pointed out that this is a real emphasis on him being a father, but he still hadn't had Isaac. And God spreads out a vision for him in Genesis 17, 6, and how that he would make nations come out of him and kings would come out of him. And of course, God reassures him in Genesis 17, 8, that he would be their God. 
Now, Tom Cantor pointed out in our teaching this week also that after the flood that he promised Noah that he would never destroy the world by water again, and he gave a sign or a token and a promise of a covenant with the rainbow. And in comparison, God did the same thing with giving a sign or token to Abraham of his covenant with him that circumcision would be a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, God then turns to Abraham with some promises for his wife, and Tom Cantor pointed out that her name was changed as well, too, from Sarai to Sarah, and this gives her a new name, which also is similar to Israel, which also refers to Israel being a prince. Sarah's name means princess, and Tom Cantor contrasted that with the title we're given for wife and husband in marriage and how God wants those titles to be used according to the scriptures. Now, here's Tom Cantor today with our teaching from Genesis, how God gave Abraham a great new vision and dream, and it could have never happened without giving him a son, just as God could have never provided salvation to us without the son. So God resets Abraham on the right path by calling Sarah his wife, as this God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, don't you despise Sarah because she's old and infertile. Abraham, don't you be like Hagar who despised Sarah. You know, it's very interesting and instructive that Hagar despised Sarah. Because you show me a man who has a mistress, and I'll show you a man who despises his wife. Now, Sarah is Sarah, thy wife. And nobody else has that high honor in your life, Abraham. Only she is thy wife. She's Sarai, Sarah, thy wife. And now in verse 16, God makes it very clear that he's going to give to Abraham a son with Sarah, and she's going to become the mother of nations, and kings are going to come from her. So just like he promised to Abraham, now God makes it very clear that a son is going to be from this union between the husband and wife, from Abraham and his wife, not from Hagar. And God has made it very clear that Abraham and Sarah are going to have a son. And so at the end of verse 16, God stops talking. See? That's what he does. At the end of verse 16, God has stopped talking with the dream and the vision. And now it's time for Abraham to respond. And Abraham does respond. You know, Abraham has just walked down this road of this wonderful dream that God has, this wonderful vision that God has. And Abraham is just so happy. He's so overjoyed. All these promises, he's rejoicing in that. God has cast this wonderful vision in front of Abraham's eyes. And he's going to have the multitude of children, and many nations are going to come from the children. Kings are going to come out of the children. All the land of Canaan is going to be an everlasting possession to his seed. God's going to be the God of his children. God's going to be the God of his children forever. They're going to live. He's got a new name, Abraham, to celebrate. He has a change in his body. The circumcision is a sign of the promises. Sarah's got a new name. It's wonderful. And then it hits Abraham like a ton of bricks. (laughs) Well, first of all, he does respond. The response is he falls on his face. And he says he's thinking about how wonderful it is until the ton of bricks hits him. And the ton of bricks is in verse 17. And it's this word, there are two words. It's the a child in verse 16, 17. Have you missed something? <laughs> God, there ain't no child here. You know, it's a great walk, God. Great vision, great dream, but there's no child. A child. All this wonderful vision is not possible without the child, without the son. Without a son, this wonderful dream, this wonderful vision, it's not realized. All this cannot happen without a son. And there is no son. And this brings in a very real tension. 
and anxiety into Abraham. God has just cast this wonderful vision, this wonderful dream. The vision is there, it's wonderful, but with no son, the vision is only a vision. The dream is only a dream. So the 17th chapter, where we're studying here, of Genesis, I want you to see this now, is God at work building in Abraham's heart the great vision for Abraham's great seed. In the 17th chapter of Genesis, God is taking the vision that's in his heart for Abraham's seed, and God is spreading it out in front of Abraham. And what God is doing here is kind of, it's very personal for Abraham. It's very personal for me, because that's what I do at work. You know, five years ago, we stood with the mayor of El Cajon. He's almost the former mayor, but he's still the mayor yesterday. Anyway, we stood with the mayor of El Cajon, and we looked at the city of El Cajon's dilapidated, that's a mild word, dilapidated social security building that they wanted to sell to us. This building was broken down. When we took a walk through there, there had been small electrical fires in the wall, which had made flame marks rise up the outside of the wall. It was carpeted. It had a foul mold smell in the carpet because the roof leaked. And the water had run down the insides of the walls, and there was mold on the studs. That's a bad thing. And the toilets leaked. <laughs> and the ceiling tiles were stained with water. There was mold in them. And when you walked on the second floor, the plywood gave way as you walked. That's also a bad thing. But I walked through the building and walked back and forth. The first floor, the bottom floor, kept walking back and forth. Very quiet, very quiet through all the rooms. And I didn't say anything. I was just walking and looking and thinking. And a vision started to get born. And I saw, after a while, I saw a different building. I no longer saw this broken down, leaking, moldy, stinking building. (laughs) We bought that building. And when we did, the newspapers ran the story with the headline title, The Mayor Finally Sells His White Elephant. (laughs) That made us feel real good. (laughs) You know, we were like the suckers. But we bought that building because in my imagination, I saw a beautiful building. Because I had a vision. I saw, was that building, a new company with lighted signs on the front and on the sides and Scanabody's Biologics. And I saw inside that building, all cleaned up, you know, and Clorox bleached the studs, replaced the studs, replaced the floor, all this stuff. But I saw beautiful tiling on the floor and on the walls and enameled paint on the ceilings and elevators and conference room and offices and exam rooms and interview rooms and server rooms and plasma processing rooms and donor rooms. I saw plasma donors in that building. And the flow of those donors, I saw employees going through training programs. I saw employees training other employees. I saw those trained employees then doing their jobs for the benefit of the most vulnerable in our society, the patient. I saw supplies coming into that building going one way. I saw waste going out of the building. I saw plasma bottles being generated, lots of plasma bottles full of this life-saving plasma, plasma components. And I saw the 67-slot parking lot full, and I saw 40 more cars on Broadway, and I was happy there was no parking signs on Broadway. (laughs) And I saw the bus stop that stopped right in front there, went right to the trolley station. And I saw 400 to 1,000 healthy plasma donors every day coming through the streamlined system and giving plasma. And I saw it six days a week. And what really excited me the most was I saw this plasma being made into the components for patients. 
And I got so excited to see the patient. I saw the patients in the hospitals where I've been a patient. I saw patients dying from infection unless they got the plasma components that came out of that building. I saw patients recovering from these fatal infections because they got the plasma components that came out of that beautiful building. I saw the blood clotting components from the plasma coming out of that building and saving the lives of hemophiliac patients. I saw car accident patients on the side of the road who had just about almost but bled out, and they would die unless they got the albumin part of the plasma that came out of that building. And that's what was happening in my mind. It wasn't saying a word, just happening in my mind as I silently was walking back and forth through the floors of that stinking, leaking, moldy building. <laughs> And I think our people were shocked also by the condition of the building. But I knew that the vision would never become a reality unless I transferred the vision to our people. And I also had to convince the El Cajon City Council to give us a license to do that because El Cajon had had a plasma center in El Cajon, and it wasn't exactly like the one I just described. You know? That place over on Magnolia and Broadway was a dirty, dingy place where drunks sat on the sidewalk with their bottles waiting for the plasma center to open so they could get money. And then they went out and they tried to get themselves infected with hepatitis because they knew they could get more money if they were hepatitis positive. (laughs) So when I said a plasma center to the city council, they go, oh, no. (laughs) No, not another one. But I had to transmit. I had to transmit my vision for a plasma center to the city council in order to get the permit. And I had to transmit my vision for a plasma center to our people in order to get the beautiful plasma building built. And if I did not successfully transmit my vision of the most beautiful plasma center in the country, then I knew it was not going to happen. And so I went about the work of getting the people excited about the vision. And the people caught the vision. And we got the permit. And it became a reality. And when Abbott Lab audited the operation there, and they've been through many plasma centers around the country, they said, this is the most beautiful we've seen. And it was audited by the FDA and and others, and they said similar things. And it never would have happened unless I had transferred to others the vision. That's exactly what God is doing here in Genesis 17, in this chapter. He's transferring his vision through these explanations. And this chapter is one giant set of God's explanations where God is explaining to Abraham with a lot of explanations about Abraham's seed. This is a chapter with a lot of promises, a lot of explanation that God is making about it, where we see all those like multitudes of fish in the sea explanation about Abraham's seed. All those maod maods, the explanations about Abraham's seed. All those many nations coming from Abraham's seed explanations. All those kings coming from Abraham's seed explanations. All those God will be the God of Abraham's seed explanations. All those Abraham's seed's going to live forever explanation. All those Abraham's seed's going to possess all the land of Canaan explanation. All those Abraham and Sarah name changes with the circumcisions to memorialize all those explanations and promises that God has made to Abraham. So with all those explanations and promises that God is working in Genesis 17 to make the vision of birth in Abraham's mind, in Abraham's heart, and with all those explanations, God has been getting Abraham excited about the vision. Can you see it, Abraham? Can you see it in his heart? And all those explanations, he's been working trying to infect Abraham's heart with the vision that's in God's heart. shouldn't use that word in effect because I was just talking about hepatitis. But anyway, with all those explanations, God has been getting Abraham excited. It's a process God's going through. Get excited, Abraham, about the vision. All those explanations. God's spreading out the dream. 
There it is, Abraham. Can you see it? Can you see it, Abraham? Can you feel it, Abraham? With all those explanations, he's spreading out the dream. The dream's there. It's a wonderful dream. There's just one problem in Abraham's mind. And he hears God's vision, he hears God's dream, but all, those, all Abraham sees is a stinky, moldy, rotten, damaged, unrecoverable building. <laughs> That's what he sees. He can't see the reality of the vision. He just can't see it. All because he doesn't have a son. Abraham doesn't have a son. So for Abraham, it's like nice talk. It's like going to a movie. Nice movie. It's just a movie. It's a dream. It can never be a reality without a son. So this great tension is building in Abraham's heart. And all these explanations of the vision and the dream just builds the tension and the anxiety greater in Abraham. Because Abraham, he's got God's vision and his dream, but with no son, he's got the tension of it all. He's got the anxiety of it all. It's never going to happen without a son. Why has God done this to Abraham? Why didn't God give Abraham a son first, then the vision? That's what Abraham was afraid of in the beginning of taking this walk with God, that his heart was going to be broken again. Why has God given the vision and the dream when there's no son to make the vision and the dream a reality? Why did he do that? Why has God brought this tension and anxiety to Abraham? Why has God in this chapter wanted Abraham to feel tense, to feel anxious with all these detailed explanations? Because God was wanting Abraham to know something, to understand something by experience of how that wonderful vision all hinged on the birth of Abraham's son. It all hinged on that. And God wants us to put ourselves this morning in Abraham's shoes and feel the tension, feel the anxiety of this wonderful vision that never could happen without the birth of Abraham's son. Why does he do that? Because God wants to teach us in Abraham a very important truth. There was a time when there was a great vision that was in the heart of God the Father. And God had a great plan, which he revealed In Genesis 3.15, right after the fall when he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head. That's the vision. Thou shalt bruise his, his heel. God the Father had this wonderful dream. He could see it. He could see it. He could see lost, 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 lost sinners coming from all corners of the earth. And they were becoming reconciled to God. And they were having their sins all 100% forgiven. They were being adopted by God as sons and daughters. They were becoming members of a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There was mansions. He could see it. There was mansions being built for them in heaven where they would live forever with God. God the Father had this vision. He saw himself wiping all tears from their eyes. He saw a place where there would be for them no more death. Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And God was so excited about this new vision, this new dream that he had. But as with Abraham, this great new vision and the dream that God had could never happen without a son to make it happen. And there was a tension and there was an anxiety as God the Father turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, who we know now as God the Son, and he asked him, will you? Will you? Will you now, as God, take this title of God the Son? Will you die for man's sins so my dream can become a reality? That person in the three-person Elohim Godhead, who we know as the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, yes. He said, yes, I will become the Son to make your dream and your vision a reality. And on that day, and there was a day, when he decided to become the Son, to make the vision and to make the reality, uh, to make the dream a reality, a decree went out. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ himself declared the decree in Psalm 2-7. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. But God the Father's vision is dream of lost sinners gaining authority to become sons and daughters of God, all hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to teach Abraham, to teach us that God's great vision all hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ to become the son, he brought about this tension and this anxiety for Abraham of the vision first without the son to make it a reality. Our eternal salvation hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ to become the Son and agree to come when he was sent, as he said in John 6.38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 5.23, That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent me. John 4.14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son, to be the Savior of the world. God the Father's great dream, His great vision, it all hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ to come. And His words when He decided to come are recorded for us in Psalm 40, verse 7, where He said, Then said I, Lo, behold, I come. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. God's great dream, His great vision, all hinged on the Lord Jesus Christ to yield Himself to be given by God the Father. As He said in John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son. God's great dream, his great division, hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ to decide, would he or would he not humble himself and make himself of no reputation? As he says in Philippians 2, 7 to 8, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found fashioned as a man. He humbled himself. All those are decision points and became obedient even the death of the cross. God's great dream, his great vision, Hinged on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ, would he agree to be humiliated, to suffer, and to be forsaken by God? And this one word that he used in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke twenty-two forty-two, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, that's the word, nevertheless, not my will. God's great, wonderful vision all hinged on whether he would say that word, not give up and say that word, nevertheless. And the Lord Jesus Christ did agree to make God the Father's vision a reality. He did agree to adopt the vision as his own when he said in John 8, 29, And he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. John four thirty four. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So to memorialize all this tension, all this anxiety, and the, that all hinged, on the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether God the Father's great dream and vision is all here in Genesis chapter 17. And it's built into the vision of Abraham's seed. And it's left Abraham with all this tension and all this anxiety of not having a son. And it was all done that way to instruct us of the decision that the Lord Jesus Christ to make God the Father's vision of saving lost souls a reality by going to the cross and dying. That's why God gave Abraham the vision before he gave Abraham the son. And the birth of Abraham's son when Abraham was 100 years old was so unlikely. It was as unlikely as the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ described in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
Well, that's as far as we'll be able to get. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus Christ and the great decision that he made. Thank you, Lord, for the walk we've had today on your great vision for Abraham. Lord, we thank you that you had a great vision for us to be saved. We thank you, Lord, for the tension of it all by not having a son so that we could see and understand how important the decision was of the Lord Jesus to agree to be our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We hope you've been enjoying our study in Genesis every Monday through Friday. And Tom Cantor always richly brings out the truth of God and the Lord Jesus Christ from the Scriptures. Now for the rest of the month of April, we'd like to offer you four Tom Cantor DVD teaching series, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3, and Genesis 4. Each one of these series of DVDs has four DVDs in it. So, for example, Genesis 1 has four DVDs, Genesis 2 has four, 3 has four, and 4 has four. Sixteen DVD teachings from Tom Cantor. Each disc has 12 lessons, all from Genesis. You can have Genesis 1, 2, 3, and 4, 16 DVDs, and 48 messages from Tom Cantor. You can have this for a donation of $100 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. It also supports this radio Bible teaching program staying on in your station, in your city, and Jewish evangelism. So again, $100 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. You can receive 48 messages on DVD, 16 DVDs from Tom Cantor, Genesis 1, 2, 3, and 4. For a $100 or more donation, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 for a donation of $100 or more. Again, 48 messages, 16 DVDs, Genesis 1 through 4, 800-247-3051 or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.